Cults are very controlling. They seek to control every area of life. They operate, of course, on the basis of guilt to make people to be obedient to their religion. They dictate social life. They even control the home, the inner circle, the people that you fellowship with, your diet, your dress. So many things are controlled by the cult. And then, of course, they want to prevent exposure to other influences so that you are locked in. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Goller here, and of course, it's our privilege to bring the message of God's Word today to you, wherever you are. We are continuing here in the book of Hebrews, and I hope this book has been opened up to you over these last days and weeks as we have preached it here from our pulpit. The book of Hebrews is unique in the New Testament. There are many things here that you do not find in the other uh, epistles, and that's why it's so valuable, because it is an exposition of how the New Testament Christian deals with Old Testament matters. And, of course, the Hebrew in the first century uh, was who was converted to Christ were always tempted to go back, to look to the old ways and the old ceremonies, whereas we are to look by faith and faith alone in the finished work of the Lord Jesus. That applies to us as well. We must not get bogged down in the physical aspects of traditions and religion. We must get our eyes on the Lord Jesus. And that is my prayer today and each day as we bring the message of the gospel at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. here on this station and, of course, uh, on 9.30 on Sunday mornings for our church worship hour. Let me read to you today the message or the text, Hebrews 13 and verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And of course, it's dealing with under shepherds and how God has appointed pastors and elders to care for the flock. And it's very different from the ministry of cults. It's not to be overbearing. It's not to lock people in, but it is to minister to their hurts, their needs, and their burdens. And I trust that we will be found faithful in this ministry, both within our church and here on the radio as well. So if we can be of personal help, feel free to be in touch. Just give me a phone call or take down the email and send me a message. May the Lord bless you today through the message on looking unto Jesus, Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Here we have tonight in Hebrews 17 to 20, the very last words of the apostle in this letter to the Hebrews. Now, a man's last words are all important, and of course, in a letter, you always try to put your final position clearly, succinctly, and get the message over. Now, if you have followed along in the message of this book, you will know that the apostle is ministering to people 
who have a sense of bondage to Judaism. And it's like deprogramming somebody that has been in the cults. Cults are very controlling. They seek to control every area of life. They operate, of course, on the basis of guilt to make people to be obedient to their religion. They dictate social life. They even control the home, the inner circle, the people that you fellowship with, your diet, your dress. So many things are controlled by the cult. And then, of course, they want to prevent exposure to other influences so that you are locked in. That's why Jehovah's Witnesses will give you their literature, but they don't want to take yours because they really are not allowed to take other people's literature. Now, to come out of that environment where a cult is controlling you takes conviction, it takes courage, and it demands that you are converted firmly and truly by the Spirit of God. And that is the situation to which Paul is addressing in this letter. These people are not to go back to Judaism, not to go back to Levitical worship, not to go back to temple worship and so on. They are to look firmly only unto the Lord Jesus. Now, when you come out of a vacuum, uh, sorry, when you come out of a cult, you don't want to go into a vacuum. You don't want to just go into emptiness. You want to go into something where there is care, where there is fellowship, where there is loving, gracious, Christ-like ministry. And you'll see that the apostle ministers to this. He addresses this need, firstly in verse 17, when he talks about under-shepherds. Obey them that have the rule over you. And in verse 17, he's dealing with, you no longer have priests, you no longer have the Levitical controlling factors in your life. You are now in the New Testament church under the care of those who watch for your soul. And then in verse 20, there is the great shepherd that is referred to, the great shepherd who has been raised again from the dead by whom we have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And so every convert to Christ needs to know that they are not abandoned, not left alone. They have the fellowship and they have the care of God's people and of the Lord himself as that great shepherd of the sheep. Souls need watching. If you go back to verse 9, uh, you will notice the warning, be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. There are wolves in sheep's clothing. There are dangers to the sheep. And you'll see here in this passage that Christians are considered as sheep. Now, sheep do best in congregations. They do best in flocks. And, of course, Christians, likewise, they need the fellowship. Now, if you see a lone sheep in a field, and it's just wandering by itself, 
you may treat it with suspicion. Something wrong. It's not with the flock. It's a loner. It's lost out somehow. It might be sickly. If it's along the hedge, it might even have its wool caught in the thorns and unable to free itself. Or maybe there is uh, damage done to it by wild beasts, and it's bleeding and dying and unwell. We would say the same thing for the lone person who professes Christ, and they have no interest in church fellowship, no interest in God's people, no interest in the ministry of the gospel. And we would say there must be something wrong. There's no hunger for the Word. There's no delight in fellowship and worship. They just want to be alone. Now, they might be alone with their Bible. They might be alone in their prayer closet. They might be walking and doing many of the right things. But if they're not in fellowship in a New Testament church, there will be a loss of something. And so, here is the care that the Lord has instituted. There's the care of under-shepherds, verse 17, and then there's the great shepherd. That is verse 20. So, we start here with the care of the under-shepherds. These are the pastors or elders of the church. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. Now, I want you to notice in this passage the people who are to be shepherded. And if you start at verse 12 and go right down these verses, you'll see firstly in verse 12 that they are the blood-bought. In verse 12, wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. And here is one that needs to be in the fellowship of the church. The blood-bought are the true sheep. They are not goats. They are not false if they have been washed and redeemed by the blood. Then verse 13, those who are separated unto Christ. They have come out. They have joined the Lord outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Now, those people that are bearing the reproach of the world, they need the friendship of God's people and they need to know the care of the family of God within the church. In verse 14, you will see that these are striving for the heavenly city. For we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. And this is the language of pilgrims. This world is not my home. We are just passing through and we're seeking that eternal city. People with that attitude, I don't belong in this world. They are the people that the Lord puts within his church that they will be ministered to and that they will be cared for. Verse 15 and 16, you'll notice also that these people serve sacrificially. They don't have the consumer attitude. They don't come to church just to find out what they can get but rather they come to give. They offer the sacrifice of praise. And then, of course, in verse 16, they do good, and they communicate, they participate in the ministry. 
And with that, with those sacrifices, God is well pleased. Now, if that is you, if that description of these uh, Christians, those who are blood-bought, who are separated from the world, bearing the reproach of Christ, if you also are, have the attitude that you're a pilgrim, that you're passing through this world, you're preparing for glory, and you want your life to be a living sacrifice, then welcome to the church. Welcome to the place where you are built into the family of God. Now, you'll also see in this verse 17 the manner of their shepherding. As for souls of eternal value, for they watch for your souls. Not just temporary ministry, not just for the body, but also for the soul. You'll notice the manner in which these under-shepherds labor, that they do so sleeplessly. The word watch there has that meaning. They do so sleeplessly. They watch. And it is the task, the burden of the faithful, godly pastor and elders that they watch out and seek to protect the people of God from those dangers and those ways of the world. And of course, that when people welcome that and say, uh, we uh, rejoice in the fellowship and the guidance, the direction, the ministry of God's Word, when all of those things come together and work like clockwork, you'll notice then it says that they do so with joy and not with grief. Sheep that are worried are not very pleasant. Sheep that are attacked by dogs and uh, on the defensive, well, they don't do well. They're unmanageable. They don't feed properly. They don't rest. They just feel they lose their shine. And you'll see that in the church of the Lord Jesus, that the pastoral work is to be done with joy, to see the prosperity, the blessing, and the encouragement of God's people. We must also give account. In that verse 17, it says, for their souls, as they that must give account. We're just under shepherds. We give account to the great shepherd. And our work is to truly care for the people, not partially, not with partiality, not with uh, some uh, lording influence, but rather with love and care for the sheep. We're also to do so by example. You'll notice there um, in the verse 17, they that do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. Now, that is the leadership, the pastor, the eldership of the church. Uh, they walk honestly, and they minister to the flock by example. And that 
is the greatest ministry of all. It's not what we say, it's what we do. It's not just our words, it's our walk, our life example that counts as we seek to be God's minister to his people. And then in verse 19, you'll notice that we do so as personally present. The apostle said, but I beseech you the rather to do this that I may be restored to you the sooner. And that's why he had to write this letter, because he was not present. There was a distance and time between the people and the pastor. And so his prayer, and he asked the people to pray for this, that he might be restored to them sooner. And so the pastor should be in the midst. He should be walking in the fellowship of the congregation, and in doing that, he becomes an encouragement to the people. Now, in the book of Jeremiah 3, verse 15, we have that promised, I will give you shepherds or or pastors after my own heart. And we need to pray that today in the Lord's church, God will raise up men and pastors and elders who will truly care for the flock. You remember how the Lord Jesus in Matthew 9 when he saw the the people as sheep scattered without a shepherd, that he was filled with compassion for those sheep. And we wonder in Canada, as the Lord looks upon the cities and the towns of this country, and there are people without a pastor, without a, a shepherd, without the gospel, then the Lord surely has great compassion. And we need to pray that God will send men and raise up churches where Christians will be shepherded and guided into the truth and the fellowship of God's church.
You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. And we have a great text today as we consider Calvary. Isaiah 45, verse 22. Look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be ye saved. This was the text that was preached on the morning that C.H. Spurgeon was converted on a snowy Sunday. There was no, the regular preacher could not get there. And so a deacon took up this text and repeated it and pleaded it before the congregation. We are saved by a look. This prophecy was fulfilled at Calvary and is fulfilled in the conversion of every believer. There is no genuine faith without looking upon the crucified Lord. A wounded and bruised Savior is the object of saving faith. The sinner's eye must be made to see that it was his own sins that nailed Jesus to the cross. The eye of faith sees the suffering and also sees the love behind the suffering. The heart is won over to trust such a good shepherd who loved us unto death. The eye sees that the holiness of God is satisfied by the infinite sufferings of his own Son as the substitute for sinners. And I hope that you've taken to heart as we have sought to expound and explain these terms. Jesus died as a substitute for sinners, not as a martyr, to merely impress us with his bravery. But he laid himself down as a lamb going to the slaughter voluntarily that he might give his life for our salvation. And it is only when we look by faith upon the sacrifice of the Savior and trust in his blood that we are saved. But you must look. You must go to see. Pictures and videos never do justice to majestic sights, such as the Grand Canyon or the Rocky Mountains. They have to be seen by the naked eye to understand the extent of them. So Christ is not appreciated until we are brought to look by faith upon the dying Savior. It is the work of the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and our understanding so that we may see the sufficiency of Christ as Savior. Do you see that? Do you look? Will you look? and put your trust in the Lord Jesus. Have your eyes been opened to behold the wonder of Christ's sacrificial death for sinners? Do you understand that he stood in the place of sinners as the substitutionary Lamb of God to suffer in your place? Not until you say yes to this question can you call yourself a Christian. But the moment you see that Jesus died for you, while he was on that cross, then cry out to him for mercy and you will be saved. You will be saved by faith in the atoning work of the Lord Jesus. And this has to be the testimony of each and every convert that they have been brought to see their own sin, but also to see the work of the Lord Jesus suffering on that cruel cross to bring them out of sin 
into a state of reconciliation and peace with God. But you cannot bypass the cross. There is no other way. We must come by the cross. And when you put your trust in the death of the Lord Jesus as your substitutionary Savior, you are saved. Your sins are gone, and you are made a child of God. And so this is the great hope of the gospel. And I hope that today that you will bow the knee and put your trust in the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Stay tuned with us now as we come to this little message and song. There's a sweet and blessed story of the Christ who came from glory just to rescue me from sin and misery. He in loving kindness sought me and from sin and shame has brought me listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you 
the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187-9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway, on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak.